0: And Happy New Year. Welcome back to the DigiGods Podcast. Um, we are going to be without Mark for a few weeks. Tim, thank ah, you. Ah, back again. Back Tim, again. Tim Cogshell sitting in once again. Tim and I were on, uh, we were on Film Week yesterday, so this is two days in a row for us just rambling about That movies. was a very interesting uh,
1: film <laughs> week. <you know>. January, <laughs>
0: the patron saint of bad movies. That, that was time that. of year, that time of year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark is uh, working the Golden Globes this weekend, so he uh, he gets no time off. Uh, long, long days. It is. Uh, he, he's just. Yeah, he's going to be up to his neck in Golden Globes, and then he leaves for a couple of weeks in Europe for parody? for romance. Yeah, for for
1: romance and Paris and yeah. Paris. You know, I've so. worked the Golden Globes many many times. It really is a for people who are working the event, particularly yeah. in, 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 in jobs like the one Mark said. It's like a two day thing. Yeah. Um, um it, just the preparation, getting your spots,
0: getting yeah. your team, getting your
1: crew out.
0: It's like uh, the Oscars. It's yeah. like a mini. It's like the dry run for the Oscars yeah. for a lot of these outlets. So yeah, yeah. and plus
1: it involves television. Uh, which the Golden Globes involves way may, way more actual people. Yeah, there's actual human beings doing stuff. More people doing stuff w- with respect to the Golden Globes than the Oscars every year.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's so fascinating. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we wish Mark well as he, uh, as he goes through the, uh, the Golden Globes grind. Uh, yesterday, I just want to share this story because, you know, the, the Seinfeld episode with the soup Nazi is so famous – uh, Tim and I found the sandwich Nazi um, uh, it, it was truly a rare experience after we did the show yesterday we went to this market that I'd gotten a personal recommendation for in uh, Pasadena and just, which is another story it's another, another story in and of yeah. itself how I got the recommendation but I thought I've never heard of this place it says they had great sandwiches let's go and we walk in and there's, a little, there's a, it's just a little Italian market and there's this little crusty old Italian man <laughs> sitting next to a meat slicer uh, behind <laughs> Behind a really uh, a really high counter with a pile of wrapped sandwiches in front of him, and I walk up to him and I go, "Yeah, is this where we get sandwiches?" And he just points at the pile. Yeah, he's he's like, just-, just take one. I said, I, I I don't I don't I don't eat beef. Do you have anything with chicken or turkey? Take it, you'll like it. <laughs> at which point you just didn't I just took a sandwich. Tim <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't oh, want to yeah. deal with it. <laughs> Whatever, give me a sandwich. And I insisted on turkey and he rolled his eyes and he, he, he gave me crap for about five minutes while he made me a turkey sandwich. <laughs> just take a sandwich.
1: Don't worry. You'll love it, you'll be back. Just take That's, a sandwich Yeah. You know, like dietary concerns not withstand Truly was the uh, the soup Nazi of sandwiches. but I gotta tell you, the sandwich that I just took arbitrarily because I didn't really want to get into yeah. a knife fight with this little <laughs> Italian dude.
0: <laughs> the sandwich was fantastic. You know what? It, it was, was great. Yeah. The, the The turkey sandwich he made me amazing. He's 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 for real. He's yeah. for real. The little man behind the meat slicer. So uh, we salute you, little little uh, sandwich, Scary, na- little Italian sandwich Nazi behind the meat slicer. We uh, we we salute you because you're you're funny and you're awesome. Um, so anyway uh yeah and I will not be able to attend our awards evening but you mm-hmm. will be. Are you presenting something? Uh, I I am uh I will be presenting James Laxton, uh the cinematographer's yeah. award for Moonlight. Fantastic. Um uh, he just really? won, he just won another award from the uh, National Society this morning. Oh he really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that. That's yeah. that's frank. Good. Yeah. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. an unusual choice for us. Interesting because for the last several years of course uh Lubeski.
0: Yeah. Yes. one like three in a row. Yeah, you
1: know, and 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 for these really sort of uh, big films. Yeah. Bringing to bear all kinds of really sort of, you know, uh, 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 cinematography and requiring high end technology and things in space and green screens and and inventing things. I think they had to invent things, you know, and and we're shooting the Revenant, of course, we're talking about. We're talking about um, uh, the one with Sandy Bullock and Gravity. So, really, 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 like the Birdman. Sure. Really complicated movies that required uh, uh, complicated technology, tremendous stuff. Uh, and, and won those awards, rightfully so. So, yep. so. so now we have James Laxton, who is, you know, Moonlight, an absolutely extraordinary movie, but it, you know, somewhat like a stage play, this movie. Um, the, the cinematography in this movie couldn't be obtrusive. You know, it, it, the cinematography no. had to be an invisible, yeah. yet still beautiful. Now, there's a complicated thing that James has to do in this movie, too. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about it because I'm, I'm a brother. Yeah. Light and black folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly black folks in Florida at noon sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there are three characters that play, three actors that play one character in this Over movie. Different,
0: three different periods Over three life.
1: different periods of time. Over three different periods of time. The actor, the, um, the character's nickname is Black. Mm-hmm. And one of his little friends literally nicknamed him that properly so. Yeah. He's a very dark-skinned little black boy. It's, it's, it's a dynamic that's going on in the movie, right? This is, and, 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 and the way James lights these men, uh, that boy, starting with that boy, over the course of this movie is just absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it takes a specific effort, and you have to do it in a very precise way. There is a scene in this film... With that little boy, when he's a little boy, he's sitting in a white porcelain tub against a stark white tile wall covered in soft white bubbles. This little black boy carved out in silhouette. Mm-hmm. Most cinematographers would have been, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> we, no we are not doing this. No, James, James understood how to do that and why to do that. Two or three times in this movie. That little boy, uh, or, or, or the character, the, the next character, the middle character, is wearing a stark white shirt, standing there, carved out in a silhouette against the sun. On purpose, again, very, very deliberately. There's a scene in this movie where the third incarnation of that character, right? Again, a dark yeah. black man, now this beefy, buffed up, hardcore. Yeah. He's been the president and all this kind of stuff. He's lying in a bed of nothing but white sheets, no shirt on, just this rippling black man in this bed of white. Every one of these moments, and a half a dozen like them, are extremely deliberate. They speak to something, uh deeper than just yeah. the images themselves these ideas that we have about people and what is beautiful uh and how these things can be re- uh, rendered as beautiful he captures this um you know mostly with just the light and the camera no tricks yeah you know no no cgi to save him uh just the light and the camera and for that we're going to give him an award
0: Uh, You know, I find it interesting, too, that uh, the two films that have been on the top of everybody's list for cinematography, which is Moonlight and La La Land, both of them start in bright daylight with very, very long single takes. Yeah. And neither of those cinematographers are guys who have been on anybody's list in the last few years. So, I mean, they are both, uh, you know, new to the scene. But it is, it is really, you know, La La Land, obviously, it's I'm not giving anything away if you haven't seen it, but it's a, it's a very elaborately choreographed and a very consciously choreographed long take that had to be rehearsed endlessly. Whereas Moonlight, what's different in Moonlight is if you're not paying attention, you will not know it is a single take. Yeah. And all those different actors, they, they enter the frame naturally, and they exit the frame naturally, and nobody looks like they're choreographed, and no one looks like they've been staged. And it's just, it's, it's really, but yet it has. Yeah. It's really quite, that, that opening shot is, is really extraordinary. Every
1: bit as difficult as the other, which is very yeah. difficult, yet it's not a play. You know. no. uh, it's not a play. The camera isn't stagnant. Yeah, uh, and and you know, and all of these people and all of these. things. It establishes
0: anyway. the energy of the film. Yeah, it's
1: so. yeah, dynamic. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Lovely well, stuff. Well,
0: that's. I'm sorry, I'm going to miss it, but uh, it's going to. St- is it going to stream? Do you know if it's going to stream? I know they're recording it, but I. Uh, do you know if they're going to stream it? Like they
1: did uh, a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, the horrible Doris Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <The> <laughs> incident, right.
0: uh, but to be honest, I don't know. We should look and see. Probably so, though. Yeah. I think
1: that's pretty standard
0: now. Well, if it streams, I'll let everybody know on yeah. the uh, on the Facebook page. Anyway, let's get, uh, let's get into catching up. We haven't done this for a few weeks, so we're, we're loaded up on movies. I'm going to uh, go through, we got a lot of great stuff from uh, Kino Lorber in particular. It's been a really, really good period for Kino Lorber. We've got some really interesting stuff, and uh, especially from the Kino Lorber classics, which is usually uh, licensed from uh, from uh, the MGM and 20th Century Fox libraries. I'm going to name a, an exploitation film right now first that comes from the uh, Jezebel collection, The Stewardesses in 3D. This is a 3D Blu-ray uh, from uh, the Jezebel Collection, which is distributed by Kino. And uh, it's just, it, you know, this is a classic 1969 exploitation film. If you hear the word stewardesses, 3D, and uh, 1969, you pretty much know everything that's going to be on this Blu-ray. Uh, telling you a plot doesn't, it's, forget it. It's just all countercul- counterculture, psychosexual, 60s kitsch. And it is a lot of fun. There's both a 2D and a 3D version here. And uh, I got to tell you this, I love exploitation films. And this was one I had never seen. And it is, it is an absolute riotous psychedelic hoot. It yeah. is a whole lot of fun. I always loved those movies. Nothing like an exploitation 3D film. Uh, we've also got The Frontier by uh, Orin Shai. And uh, this is actually pretty good. Uh, not usually necessarily my cup of tea, but it uh, this is a 16 millimeter film that was shot uh, kind of as a sort of a, a pseudo western. Um, it is um, it's it's one of those low bu- – it was sort of like one of those low budget. And it, you know, there were a lot of those with Jack Nicholson in the seventies, right? that he, oh, yeah. Um, hang 'em high and like those kinds of those kinds of westerns. They were sort of like anti westerns. Yeah, you know, um,
1: including one that he directed. I think it was called Going South. Yeah, uh, which was kind of a, you know, yeah. Like, Going I mean, South is yeah, one of those. Yeah, that's, yeah. Mary, Mary yeah. Steenburgen. I think it's her first that was film. The one, that's yeah. what I was
0: actually thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Going South. This is this was made in 2015. Uh, it's a little bit of a throwback to those. So it kind of feels like one of those grungy, pulpy, uh, anti-Western-type uh, alternative Westerns. Uh, but, you know, I, I, uh, it, it's fine. It's not my favorite, but I uh, think it has a certain nice texture to it. It's a nice throwback texture. It's worth checking out um, if, that is, if that's exactly your kind of thing. Kelly Lynch is in this. Does a really, really great job. I
1: haven't seen Kelly Lynch in such long. a long really time. That, that, that was before Top Gun,
0: right? Uh well th- not, this film. not this, that this film. This this film was rated just made about a year ago. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen Kelly Lynch in years. I know. She yeah. looks she looks the same. She's oh great. wow. Fantastic. Yeah. And then we also have uh from Kino Lorber, uh, Man Facing Southeast, which is an absolutely uh terrific classic. Uh, if you've never seen *Man Facing Southeast*, this is from 1986. It is uh, this is an absolutely fantastic Argentine film. It is a classic. This is the first time that it is on DVD or in bl- on Blu-ray. It has not been on uh, since. A very very influential film. One of the most influential films of the uh, the 1980s, foreign films in particular.
1: Kind of a sci-fi.
0: Yeah, really really a a cool kind of psychological sci-fi thing. This guy uh, suddenly shows up um, playing an organ in a psychiatric hospital, and from there you get this whole, we, you know, c- claiming to be like an alien visitor, right? And there's a whole interesting, weird uh, science fiction, psychological uh, backstory to it that really unfolds in a fascinating, interesting way. It's really, a, it's really an unusual, great, fascinating, legendary film. Terrific, beautifully shot by Ricardo de Angelis and directed by Elisio Subiela who's really not gone on to do a whole lot else Uh, but it is uh, it's a legendary film now on Blu-ray looks looks absolutely terrific beautiful beautiful transfer and then from the uh, oh and then we've uh, got to get this this is uh, Fritz Long's Dr. Mabuza the Gambler oh yeah the whole the whole Mabuza thing is sort of just amazing uh, if you haven't seen any of the Mabuza films, you really you, this is pretty, probably a pretty good place to start. Um, this includes the story behind Dr. Mabuza, which is a three-part documentary that gets into uh, the musical score uh, by Zimmerman, who, um, it, yeah, well, it gets into the, the, the uh, all of the, it uses the music to sort of dovetail into the elaborate Mabuza world and everything that uh, makes it so sort of legendary and fascinating. Uh, this is 1922 Silent of course it is 4 hours long and worth every single second of it. It, it you need to just see this it's all about the the Fritz Lung genius of staging just the most elaborate incredibly dark noirish uh, oh, classic German uh it, it just it, it's just a great movie There must
1: be a dozen Dozen of them, uh, ten. Uh, it's uh, just the so the it, testament of Doctor Who, the thousand eyes of Doctor Who. Yeah,
0: and, it's it's you know it's it's where noir begins. It's where it's kind of where I guess the best way is uh, it's where expressionism meets noir. Yeah,
1: sort of st- in the uh, all through the '30s and, yeah. then, and then and but then there's a whole purity in the '60s because you had a lot of these in the '60s too. You did, which yeah. were kind of yeah. mod and kind of yeah. happening. Yeah, but still, you know. Anyway, same.
0: yeah. So it's uh, you know kind of. Brilliant Weimar cinema, really at its peak, and it is uh, just fantastic. It's really fantastic. So, uh, Dr. Mavuza the Gambler also includes the original German intertitles, and you can get English intertitles, but the original German intertitles are super cool. And then from the uh, Kino classics, we got a really bunch of interesting stuff here. Uh, Bertolucci's films. Oh, Luna. Luna. Bertolucci's films have all been kind of caught up because he made them mostly independently back in the fifties and sixties and seventies, and a lot of them got all caught up in rights issues. Mm. And it, you know, nobody cared about rights in Italy at the time. It was just make the movie, and it and it got very messy. And a lot of them are just hung up. So now we're getting them trickling out. Jill Clayburgh in Luna. Is finally out. It's from nineteen seventy nine. Really interesting Bertolucci film. Not necessarily his best, but beautiful, beautiful uh, cinematography by Storaro as always. And Jill Clayburgh is great. It is, uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a fairly straightforward uh, drama, uh, primarily looking at a teenage kid and his relationship with his parents. Matthew Uh, Matthew
1: Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Matthew Barry. Matthew
0: Barry from who who went on to do the Wraith. Yeah. Good, good good, little actor. Hasn't really gone into a whole lot since. Uh, I love that Fred Gwynn shows up in this. The idea that, that Herman Munster was once <laughs> yeah. directed by Bernardo Bertolucci is just awesome to me. So that's a really interesting film. Uh, we also have another 3D film here, Gog. Uh, which is, which is kind of a weird, uh, exploitation, Frankenstein, mad scientist creation movie from 1954. This is a very early exploitation film. Uh, it is, it's mostly hilarious. It is, uh, really interestingly shot. The, the, it's, it's that weird fifties color that we associate with like the Frankie and Annette movies. Yeah. Right. uh, It's it's
1: very saturated, Uh, saturated
0: and garish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, audio commentary here with some film historians and a restoration demo and it is uh, it, it, it's funny. It's re- its really funny. Gog is sort of like Gog is like a Hal 9000. <laughs> it's like it, it,
1: it's it looked like it looked like a Dalek for people to know Doctor Who. Yeah. It looked like a Dalek. That's yeah. <laughs> sort of, what Gog looked like. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then we got some Randolph Scott Westerns. Uh, Canadian Pacific and the Caribou Trail. Caribou spelled with uh, O-O which also has George Gabby Hayes in it. Gabby Hayes shows up in all these things just to sort of grumble and, and, and spit little uh, interesting little uh, little lines of dialogue yeah. and uh, then we've also got uh, last four here Bad Girl which is a, a, an old Frank Borzaghi classic from 1931 it's a pre-code film uh, with James Dunn and Sally Eilers. Uh, very interesting uh, because, you know, it's all about unwed pregnancy and the depression and all that kind of stuff and it, it gets into some pretty gritty areas for...
1: The, the, the artwork for these films was sexy oh, as so hell. Great. You had some woman you know, it's like, yeah, on the, the box there with yeah. the... With the, with the with just tight, barely wearing some things. Tight great, dress.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, you can tell it's all pre-code. Really interesting pre-code subject. So, uh, very, very interesting film. Has an audio commentary by Kent Jones. And then uh, The Lodger, which is the uh, feature uh, adaptation or the second version of the silent film originally made by Hitchcock. Uh, this is from 1944. It's not as good. Uh, it's got Merle O'Brien and George Sanders directed by John Brom. It's a you know big cast. A lot of money was thrown at this thing. It's not nearly as interesting as the Hitchcock film. It's not
1: cut nearly as well no, as the Hitchcock no. film. That sort, of, uh, that, that sort of loaf of bread scene where he's, he's following the...
0: the oh, movie. it's... Yeah. And, and, and the ceiling walking on the ceiling yeah. shot through the glass yeah. you know it's all a, no there's none of that stuff here yeah. but it still it still has an interesting place and it's got a really good cast uh, and a lot of stuff on here a couple of audio commentaries and some featurettes and you know that's, that's worth something and then the last two uh, The Man Called Noon which is uh, an interesting uh, kind of revisionist western as well starring Richard Crenna and Stephen Boyd when they are past their uh, prime based on Louis L'Amour novel and directed by Peter Collinson a solid 1973 western you know it's uh, another one of those 70s westerns that uh, just kind of lives in a very particular place if you like those films you'll probably enjoy this I met Louis Lemoore once did I ever tell you that? no I met Louis He he was in Los Angeles for some reason and we had a field trip I was in elementary school and we went to the Board of Education and sat down in some cold, empty room, and Louis Lemour <laughs> came in wearing a bow tie, right, like one of those bow ties. Yeah, that bow. Yeah. And he sat down, and uh, you know, we, we got to ask Louis Lemour questions about the old west and <laughs> you know, cowboys and Indians and all that stuff. And it was—I don't remember what he said. I just remember I was really kind of amazed at the time. Because I had just read, I was probably in, was I in fourth
1: grade or fifth grade? Oh, that, know, that, that, that long? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: I had just read Sitka, which is all about the uh, the gold rush in Alaska and everything. And I remember I was just really, really into all that stuff. Mm. So, Louis Moore great guy. And then uh, lastly, Angela Lansbury and Michael York in an absolutely wonderful movie you've probably never heard of, Something for Everyone, from 1970 when they were absolutely in their prime. This is, of course, uh, Michael York before Logan's run. Yeah. Uh, But still, just one of the great bone structures of all time. Uh, Both of them are absolutely delightful here. And uh, it is... uh, It's basically a kind of a a murder scandal set among the German aristocracy. Uh, A lot of fun. And uh, really, really nicely done. Directed by the great stage director, Harold Prince, uh, with a lot of flair. And uh, it's, it's really a... This is a very very fun movie. Both of them give really really great uh, uh, great performances. So, highly highly recommended. Something for everyone. Beautiful new Blu-ray transfer.
1: I to love uh, Michael York movies. Yeah, and they were just always so but, good.
0: Well, because he also had that voice, that velvety voice, which we, which another generation got to know from the uh, Austin Powers films. Oh Over yeah, every time he'd show up uh, he on the screen. Up.
1: And he, of course, he, the, the original, the original Island of Doctor Moreau? Moreau? That's yeah. him, right? Yeah, and, the original Island yeah. Of Doctor and, of, and
0: of course the Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers. Oh, yeah. Richard Richard uh, what are they? you going to do? A couple of let's new? let some new ones. Let's do some new ones. We
1: got Snowden here. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Stone's movie, uh, you know, um, about. With Joseph Gordon-Lovett, of course, playing, yeah. playing Edward Stoughton. So, um, I don't know. Uh, this movie came out. I saw it. And I can't tell you how underwhelmed I was.
0: It, it, this was supposed to be a big Oscar yeah, contend- big we, we, awards we're, we're contender. We're supposed
1: to be talking about this movie right
0: now. And uh, it just it was it was off the radar the second it came out. It's it's almost like Stone has lost his edge a little bit. I I don't know what it is. Well,
1: that puts that one away a long time ago. You know, going back as far as I don't know W or that movie he did about the Twin oh, Towers. Well, yeah, uh, World down. Trade Center. Yeah, uh, which are all movies that I actually prefer to those movies of his. You and I covered yeah. you know twenty twenty five years ago. You know, JFK and, yeah. and 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 all of those sort of wild Four crazy the fourth stuff. Fourth of July. Born the, we, so, so you know, I, I actually prefer these more considered versions of uh, uh, you know Oliver Stone's work, yeah. where he sort of thinks about it and and
0: doesn't just go all crazy left wing, you know, and and doesn't dig out all the psychedelic mixed format natural born killers. Dricks yeah. with the camera. I liked U turn though. I
1: remember loving U turn. I love you. I remember Jennifer Lopez Billy, in that red dress. Billy,
0: Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob and Thornton Playing and that, Twister. And
1: then that thing and it's then in Sean Penn. Um you know, so anyway, this one's about the whole Edward Stone. Thing, yeah. You know, uh, obviously Oliver's sort uh, self-political point of view about these things makes its way into this movie. Yeah. So that's what that is as so far as the movie is concerned. Bonus features, deleted scenes, uh finding the truth, a QA and interview with Edward Snowden, Oliver Stone, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Shailene Woodley, who plays uh, Snowden's girlfriend in, the, in, in in this movie. So, you know, I don't know. It just sort of depends on how you're feeling about Oliver Stone and Oliver Stone films lately, whether or not you want to check that out. There's something here called Closet Monster. I didn't see this when it came out, um, uh, but I I don't know. It struck me as a really interesting-looking movie. movie, Stephen Dunn uh kind of just of Isabella Rosalini. it says a creative driven teenager desperate to escape his hometown and haunting memories yeah. of his turbulent childhood uh, we got a DVD uh here i just don't know this movie strand releasing Um, It
0: it got a very tiny release. Did it get a
1: small release? Yeah, it got
0: a small release. Didn't really... really, uh, Lots of bonus
1: features, deleted scenes. Interview with the director, Stephen Dunn. Behind the scenes feature at um, uh, the original theatrical trailer uh, and uh, trailers for other Strand movies. So anyway, I can't say much about it because I just don't know the film.
0: Max Steele didn't do a whole lot. Andy Garcia Garcia shows up for like five seconds and no dialogue in uh, Passengers. And, oh uh, really? Yeah. Cause I miss past news. Yeah, Andy Garcia, I have to believe that there was a part for him at one point and instead of that part now, he literally like a door, oh, near the end of the movie, a door opens and he walks in and that's it. Mm. <laughs> you go, what? Why did Andy Garcia, where, where'd he go? He was there and now he's gone and now the credits are rolling? How did that happen? It's like, is there going to be a sequel with the with Andy Garcia? I don't understand. Yeah. Why'd you pay Andy Garcia to just be the guy who comes to the door? I don't get it. Yeah, that could be Anyway, anyway. Andy Garcia and Maria Bello, along with Ben Winchell and Anna uh, Villafagna, starring Max Steele, which, um, you know, at a certain point, the the video game superhero genre thing and everything that that dovetails from it uh, goes into places that just don't make any sense. And um, this is about a 16-year-old kid who uh, basically becomes a superhero because he has, like, some weird energy power with his body. And uh then he of course has bumps into some kind of super alien and there you go. That's the rest of the movie. It uh it, it it wants to sort of be the beginning of a franchise. I don't think it will. I just think it it's it just it misses something that the the Marvel films and even the really bad DC films have, which is like a, it just feels fabricated without a purpose. All mm. those films sort of have a. There's, there's some kind of psychological purpose. There's something deeper, you know. Mm. There's something about uh, Batman that is connected to all of Bruce Wayne's issues that makes it interesting. There's something about Spider Man that's connected to all of Peter Parker's issues that make it interesting. There's nothing connected to any issues. Well, here. the
1: underlying difference, and, and and this is true of the Marvel and DC comic books too. When when there is a character that is that is Developed in the way that you're to- that you just described, right? Yeah. An underlying thing, and their superpowers are simply an attribute yeah. of this fully developed character, right? Yeah. Uh, t- Tony Stark has all kinds of daddy issues. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. As a result of that, he does all of these great things that gives him this these these powers. He yep. builds the suit and all this kind of stuff. Yep. But but what's going on here? Are daddy issues? Yeah, there you go. Uh, and uh, you know, Thor too, for that matter, has daddy issues. When 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 it's about just the power, somebody gets powers just because they get powers. They're born with powers. They have powers, and the powers of the things are the thing that we're looking at. That's not
0: interesting. Yeah, It's just never interesting. Uh, here's a silly movie in a valley of violence. So Ethan Hawke was in Magnificent Seven reboot, uh, and he was I he was okay. He was sort of one of the only guys who sort of took it seriously mm-hmm. and and elevated it a little bit. And uh, I guess he's in a Western groove because he and John Travolta show up in this thing, which just did nothing and went nowhere. Yeah, I saw it's, that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's just kind of. It's just a. It's a mono a mono with two guys who re- aren't very mono. Yeah. If, if am I am I being cruel? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Ethan Hawke is traveling around with this dog, and he's this guy who plainly had a bad time in the uh, in the Civil War. Yeah, And the... it's just sort of abandoned everything, and he's trying to. He has to travel through this town. John travolta is the one legged the shared, the of mar- mar- yeah. yeah whatever there's one leg you know and uh, and uh, you know, and things go ugly uh, and then you know uh, whatever it didn't it didn 't particularly work for me does
0: that does that have anything on it no nah, not particularly it's uh, you know blu ray if, if you if you like those actors, i guess whatever and uh we had to review a uh, Nick Cage film on the radio yesterday, which was just absolutely insane, and Nick Cage shows up in absolutely everything these days. <laughs> Paul Schrader made a movie called uh, Dog Eat Dog with Nick Cage and Willem Dafoe, two guys who were really amazing in the 80s and and into the 90s and who've kind of gone a little bit off the uh off the radar of late. Um it's better than what Nick Cage has mostly been doing lately, which is just taking a paycheck to be an overactor. Uh he actually kind of he sort of tries here.
1: Nick 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 insists on being the lead still. Yeah. Now Willem will play secondly, lead, thirdly, lead, guy oh, that whatever. shows
0: up. You know, he's in the John Wick movie. Oh, you know, yeah. he'll, he'll go to he's, he's doing, he was doing that all the way back to uh, yeah. David Lynch films. Yeah. You know, Wild at Heart. He, he, he shows just- up just to just to be weird and scary. You know, uh- you're opposite Nick Cage <laughs> uh, uh, and, <laughs> exactly. And,
1: and, and, but but for whatever reason, Nick Cage insists on being the lead in a yeah. mediocre movie
0: yeah well anyway it's a it's you know everyone's trying to do the kind of film they used to do here that's what's going on paul schrader hasn't made a really great film in years and years and years he's he's really giving it a try he just doesn't have enough money and resources to necessarily do it uh cage and defoe are fine it's a crime film uh you know it's a there's a there's a, a, a kidnapping and a and a whole mob thing going on and uh you know, it, it doesn't it's not great Schrader, but it's it's what he was able to get made. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of cut him a little bit of a pass here, just because everybody is doing better than they have done in the years on this. So yeah. is is it is it is it good? No. But is it better than the last three or four films that Nick Cage made? Yes. Is it better than the last three or four or five films that Schrader made? Yes. Is it it is does Willem Dafoe embarrass himself? No. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a, it's a step in the right direction.
1: A movie that would have been a grown-up movie at some point in time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, I've got American Honey here, which is another movie that I thought we would be talking about
0: Man, I don't like this movie. You, you, I
1: like this movie. You were the you were the one who really, really. Uh, I, I you, just, but you know what? You turned out to be right because we're not talking about this no. movie. You're doing awards. Uh, Andrea Arnold film. Andrea Arnold, who uh, I like normally. Well, yeah, that uh, that fast movie she made, a fast yeah. She movie.
0: Uh, was it Red Road? Uh, yeah, uh, And then, Yeah, and then she and then she made the the really interesting Wuthering Heights, the adaptation. That, of that of was Wuthering sort Heights, of this yeah. interracial adaptation yeah. of Wuthering Heights, which I thought was really fascinating. Really shot, that she shot one three three. Yeah. And, and
1: mostly in black and white. And kinds of stuff. So this is a sort of like a road movie about this particular sort of, I don't know, um, strain in society of these sort of thrown away kids and they sort of aggregate together
0: to sell magazines, magazines
1: on the road selling magazines, which is a real thing, a
0: real world. And I didn't know this was even a thing uh, and I allow that it is a thing. I, I recognize that. You know, these kids who sort of fought, it's sort of, there's a little bit of Oliver Twist in this, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a gypsy thing, which is that these, there are these, uh, these kinds of Fagan-like people and in here, it's a it's a it's a woman um, played by um, oh, what's her name here? Yeah, uh, uh, is, she's she, she's like Lisa Marie Lisa Marie Presley's daughter. She's, Sasha Lane. Sasha Lane. Okay, yeah. so she's she's Lisa Marie Presley's daughter. She's Elvis Presley's granddaughter. She plays the the, the madam of this gang, and, and uh, which I
1: may have gotten wrong. The, the other young
0: woman, I think, is Sasha Lane. The, you know, no, the, Sasha the, Lane is, the, is the, 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 the lead. That is the lead. She's the lead. Okay. So yeah. anyway, the, the madam, I forget her name. Anyway, she's... she's Elvis Riley, Riley. Keough. That's it. That's her name. That's yeah. her name. Yeah. So she's Elvis's granddaughter. Yeah. Anyway, she... Uh, and I don't want to hang that around her neck. because She's a
1: good actress. Oh, she's she's, she's, she's she terrific. She and Sasha, in interestingly, Shia La, 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 LaBeouf... Yeah, is, that's my problem. Uh, see, it, this is one time... I've been poking him. I said this on the show when we re- re- reviewed this movie. I've been poking him for 15 years. Yeah. Uh, pretty hard hard for I'm 15 years. I'm still uh, he, He's actually pretty good in this movie. It's a long very, very, very slow movie that's not actually really about anything. Uh, so, you know, you, you kind of have to be into that sort of European floaty kind of thing. Yes. This particular uh, Blu-ray uh, digital HD does not have a great deal on it. I do note that our our film week colleague Justin Chang, yeah, film Justin critic from Los, uh, Los Angeles, he has on wild and astonishingly beautiful. I've been uh, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been ribbing
0: John, I've been ribbing him for weeks <laughs> over the fact that these two films that I think are just so overrated. He loves, which is this, and uh, and uh, Tony Erdman. Oh, Tony I just, Erdman, I just, yeah. I, just, I have. I just can't stand either of them. He, um, like, he liked Man Down too, which is Shia. Again, yeah, I do like so anyway, American yeah. Honey. Anyway. Um, so let me, let, me, uh, let me rock through a couple here And then I'll let you uh, take the rest Mechanic, in, Resurrection, another mechanic film We got it on a Blu-ray and a 4K Ultra HD uh, This is with Jason Statham Doing the thing all over again Tommy Lee Jones shows up uh, To be the bad guy Jessica Alba's in this basically just to show off her body yeah. And Michelle Yeoh is, on, is in here for no reason Whatsoever, she doesn't get a chance to act She doesn't do any martial arts she's They did no not
1: do with the reboot of that series What I
0: hoped might have been done one of the, the worst reboot. films of the year. This is the stupidest movie. I hate it. There's no reason to see it on Blu-ray or even 4K. It is—it's just an insipid, pointless, dumb action movie. Uh, with you know, there's a whole kind of kidnapping and forget it. He's just doing. It's just Statham with a gun going after the bad guys and yeah. you know trying to get revenge. It's the same old thing you've seen a million times. All you need to know to enjoy this movie is. If there's somebody on a boat, that boat is going to blow up in about ten minutes. (laughs) Every single boat in this movie is a death trap. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And boats don't blow up like that. No. They don't.
1: No. It's as if if the gasoline for the boat is
0: all... It's, it's all just like on it's, this deck. Yeah. It's, I mean, truly it's it, it, at this point, maybe in the 1960s and like, like about 1973, <laughs> we could, we could buy into that when it was an episode of Charlie's angels or uh, the Rockford files where the boat blows up and you see all the people on board diving off and flying into the water. But when a boat blows up, it it, it doesn't blow up. Like you just had a pyrotechnic <laughs> crew plant no. pieces of dynamite all over it to make splinters of wood. forget it. It's, it's ludicrous. Anyway, hate that movie. Um, uh, also on 4K. Uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, this is just so sad. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, this is Tim Burton desperately trying me. to do a Harry Potter type thing, hey. and uh, it's just too much CGI and not enough plot, and it just really is not very interesting in the least. Uh, I, I find it really, really sad and misbegotten. It, it has no charm. No, um, not, no. Even,
1: even the great Eva
0: Green. Yeah, who's who? Who plays Miss Peregrine? Could not save this film. No just can't but you know. uh, it is it does look and sound great so I'll say that the 4k in this is really really terrific I mean they really really poured some effort into that so uh, I don't like the movie but I can't uh, I can't take anything away from how it looks lots of extras on here um, basically all just featurettes on how it was made plus a, a music video yeah, yeah
1: there it is uh, uh, got a couple yeah over lock. here um, when the bow breaks these movies are a lot of fun yeah. And they've become a little genre of themselves. Generally speaking, what I'm talking about are these sort of African-American-centric thriller, uh, mystery yeah. sort of movies yeah. uh, that have all the exact same cover. And that cover <laughs> almost always has Morris Chestnut on it. Oh, my gosh. He's either the guy or the other guy or the guy who's going to save her, who it is in you know, Sonale, whoever it happens to be. And uh, this one's uh, uh, Regina Hall and uh, somebody named Jazz Sinclair, yeah. who I've never seen before in anything. But you know what? She's so hot in a red dress, I just don't care. <laughs> Which is the problem of this movie. This is, this is one. This is The Hand of Rocks the Cradle. Remember The Hand that Rocks the Cradle, yeah. the rocks the cradle sure. years ago? Rebecca de Mornay. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. This yeah. is basically that couple, uh, Regina Hall, Morris Chestnut, very successful, can do everything except have a baby. So- they hire a surrogate.
0: Oh, who's crazy? Of course, <laughs> and just kind of calls all kinds of problems. There was there was a little indie called the uh, Was it the Babysitter about yeah. there, six seven months ago? Yeah. That was the same kind of deal. Yeah,
1: you know. But but what I will say about these, you know, these are these are these are mainstream popular movies that don't really have much of a run theatrically, but they live in a particular space. They do. Streaming and they do and well. on television,
0: and, and you know. That, and it's worth pointing out, it is not exclusively black audiences that make these things successful. No, they really do have a crossover appeal. Uh, I, I have ribbed Morris Chestnut for so many years, but I am—it's I, only because I'm a really big fan. Yeah. I, lo- I really think Morris Chestnut is a is a is a big potential star. He just hasn't made necessarily the choices. He basically started out playing. The, being the Black Jack Lemon, yeah, right. He's the guy in all those movies. It's always women problems, and he's just kind of this weird, goofy guy. And he's
1: got some some nutty friends, giving friend. them bad advice.
0: Oh, and, and all those posters, <laughs> it's always Morris Chestnut with his eyes up, looking up, and some woman with her arms folded. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, doing, yeah. I'm actually doing it right yeah. now. Yeah. And 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 then he transitioned in heist. Did you see heist? Yeah. The De Niro thing. The dark very good in that movie. Really good. I mean, you know, it, it's not a great movie. De Niro's a kind of a mob boss, a gambling chieftain, and, and Morris Chestnut is his enforcer. And he's brutal, and he's dark. And looks it. And he looks it, and he really puts on an edge. And since then, he's now become like the black Fred McMurray. Man. Like all those Fred McMurray noir things. Man. That's who he is that's now. That's who he is.
1: And, and, and then, of course, that television show. You know, handsome Morris Chestnut. This is a lot of fun. Deleted scenes, commentary with the director.
0: I still think, like Morris, that. Morris, if you're listening, you can still you you can step it up and not just be you can you can win an Oscar someday, man. You just need to you need to find that thing and with just,
1: that with that chin line he's gonna be fine. Yeah. Uh,
0: another 4K here, Morgan. From producer Ridley Scott. Wait a minute, who directed this? I only see producer Ridley Scott. Who directed this? No, uh yeah, it's uh it it's yeah, it's uh, it's his son. Yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're Ridley Scott's kid and you direct a movie and they promote it that your dad produced it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't anyway, know. Uh, I'd have more pride than that. Yeah. I just wouldn't let him do
1: it. I no. I would like, no, no, you are
0: riding dad's coattails. Yeah. Look, you can't be Ridley Scott's kid and not have some kind of talent. He's got you know a couple of sons who've directed movies now, and uh, they look good. They just don't have any kind of depth to them. They they've they need to step it up and kind of get away from Dad and uncle's hyper stylized sensibilities uh anyway Luke Scott directed this and it is uh it is basically a thriller Kate Mara is perfectly fine in it uh it's good good cast Jennifer Jason Lee and you know Paul Giamatti a lot of really interesting people here uh but it ultimately it's just uh it's another one of those frankenstein yeah. allegories you know it's uh it, Morgan is basically well. Like he, it, maybe not a monster, but she's you know an evolutionary monster. But it's still the same cautionary tale about science and don't let science get uh, get ahead of you. And uh, you know, which is kind of like what zombie movies are in a sense too. A lot of style, plot doesn't really work quite well, but it, it's not terrible. It is uh, it is it is decent enough that you know if you if you as maybe a rental. Really, it's a good looking four K. So. Yeah, yeah, one of those yeah. goat. Uh, oh, a debut film, I think, for uh, for,
1: uh, for Nick Jonas. Yeah, uh, and, and, and so you know, anyway, I have really mixed mix, feelings about this. It, 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 me too. It, me too. When it came out, James Franco also yeah. pops up in the movie. Uh, the film is about these two brothers. One of them, one of them um, uh, is, is is beaten badly. One yeah, one
0: it's basically a, a, a it's a hazing movie. Yeah, a, and then
1: we and then he goes to college. His brothers and pledges, to, pledges the
0: same fraternity as his yeah. brother. Yeah. Uh, and then this hazing sort of starts. It, it, which is which is like a 45 minute sequence of just relentless torture. Yeah. I mean it really is above and beyond. I mean, you're, it,
1: after he had already suffered this sort of assault yeah. thing. that which yeah. is, And they're getting into some sort of complicated psychological territory. Which, there, uh, which I, I give him credit. Which about. I appreciate. Yeah. But then there's the stuff that we simply have to see.
0: yeah, uh, Experience. Watch. Now, Nick Jonas does a good job I just uh, feel in like the it, film. I felt like it, it just got into excess at a certain point. It was just like... It was almost like you're waterboarding the audience.
1: And Look, I'm not sure... that. Really you and
0: I are old enough to have
1: seen movies that, that hark... Uh, Lords of Discipline. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, d- d- Dave, Dave Keith, Keith David. Yeah, And, yeah, yeah. Back. So, and, and, and uh, Timothy Hutton. And Timothy Hutton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah David I mean, Keith. And David Keith. You go, yeah. I was, I've been doing that for thirty-five years. Yeah. David. <laughs> yeah Keith, Keith
0: David is uh, the uh, the, uh, one, yeah. the one that says uh, to, to Ben Stiller, "Is that the Frank of the beans?" Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so, something about Mary. So anyway. So
1: so many 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 of these. Nevertheless, anyway, uh, interesting film. Nothing particularly interesting in terms of special features on this
0: yeah. DVD release. Uh, Tim, we talked about this yesterday, and it's already on DVD. Hickey. Uh, Hickey, yeah. yeah, this is just. Uh, I'm gonna try to be nice to this. This is from Gravitas. It wants to be a low budget version of Office Space. Um, it, it, and they, they make the mistake of putting a weird little uh, tagline on the cover. Today is gonna suck. I'm, it, the joke is too easy. Mm. If you're watching this movie, it is. Yeah. Look, here's the problem with Hickey. It's well intentioned it's decently acted, but it's a first time you know film for Alex Grossman who, who wrote and directed it. so I, I'll cut him a little bit of slack, but this is, the, the problem is this is a kid who works in a car stereo um, yeah. place that's going to that's get shut down. and you even said on the radio <laughs> yesterday, you're like, it deserves to get yeah, shut, shut, shut down. This, shut uh, keep down. But the, the the thing is, he's got an MIT scholarship, but he doesn't want to go to MIT because he has to leave the job where he's in love with this girl that he works with. Yeah. I'm sorry, but seriously, you slap him around, go to MIT, tell her you love her, you'll see her next summer, the movie's over. Yeah. They somehow squeeze all kinds of teen angst out of this thing that this just doesn't make any sense. Well, they attempt to anyway, Yeah, uh, uh, but they don't quite get there if you ask no. me.
1: Uh, I, got, I got another one of those sort of Western films, Trace Atkins, Kim oh, Coates, yeah. Judd Nelson. It's called Stagecoach. Coach. I, I happen to have seen this. I don't know why I saw it, but it, <laughs> po- but it, but it popped up and I popped it in and I saw it. I will say this about it it's a pretty brutal, briskly uh, shot, well made film in terms of the way it looks and the way it sounds and the way these characters look. Um, you know, if it were 15, 20, maybe 30 years ago and I saw this movie, I would, I would have thought this is a pretty, you know, bracing Western. Uh, it isn't 15, 20, 30 years ago, you know. So, so it's, 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 it's basically a contemporary Western that, 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 that you know, um, it works in the way that it works. But you really got to kind of be into this material uh, to thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly en- en- enjoy it. Bonus feature, uh, some behind-the-scenes the, the, the scenes stuff. It's all pretty much all you're going to get there. But interesting, always interesting to see Judd Nelson, uh, and, and some of those old actors from back in the day, yeah, and, and what they 're doing, hey, you know he 's looking good and sure. and playing cowboys uh, that 's life
0: uh, a couple more here that I can just dismiss real quickly, Storks in 3 d gosh, this is a terrible animated film uh, th- this is it 's an animated film. this is from uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, it comes with you know ultraviolet and a handful of behind the scenes features and outtakes and yada yada yada. The usual uh, deleted scene stuff. It, basically, it's uh, the it takes place in a future where the storks are going to stop delivering babies because it's they, they want to be more FedEx and deliver other things that are more lucrative. And there's a there's a a girl who grew up there because she was misdelivered and never found her true parents, so she was raised by the storks. And then we dovetail from there into some big epic adventure that you know the little stork that needs to, I don't know, it just, everybody's got some some issue they got to resolve, and there's just way too many set pieces, and it's way too busy, and it's really, really, really irritating, and it gave me a headache. <laughs> uh, Bridget Jones's baby. Oh, everybody is way, way past their prime in this. Bridget Jones should not be having a baby. Bridget Jones should be taking a vacation in the Caymans. And not giving us any more drama. They uh, squeezed two movies out of that. They couldn't just uh, be satisfied, right? you know, she's oh, she's having a baby. Is the father Patrick Dempsey or is it Colin Firth? They're both so cute and just awesome. Yeah, no, she's too old to be having a baby.
1: They're too old stop, to do that.
0: Stop it, everybody! Just put this movie to bed.
1: I got this one, Nine Lives. Uh, if the, uh, and again, you know, look, if, if if it were 1986, this would have been a neat little movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a guy uh, who's who gets uh, switched into the body. Of his cat. Oh, a dear. stuffy businessman finds himself trapped inside the body of his cat. Oh, what are you going to do? Kevin Spacey, uh, Jennifer Gardner, uh, uh, Christopher Walken. I know that this is meant to be a, you know, a fun family sort of movie uh, that, that's for the kids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes that's even a problem. Yeah. And, I, and I really don't understand what Kevin Spacey is doing in this movie, uh, in this DVD Blu ray. Uh, what's to come with the Blu ray? Uh, Letting the Cat Out of the Bag, Making of Nine Lives, uh, Russian. Uh for herding cats. I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah,
0: well anyway. Uh so Cleodoval. Who is a very good actress. Yeah. She acts in and writes and directs. This is her directing debut. Uh, the Intervention, which is well-intentioned. It is a little bit uh, of a kind of a wannabe Cassavetes, wannabe Return of the Secaucus 7 John Sayles type mm-hmm. film. A mm-hmm. uh, bunch of friends who all get together on a little vacation house because everyone wants to get, they want to have an intervention with this one, with two of their friends who are married because they have this horrible toxic marriage and they, everybody wants to tell them, you guys need to get divorced. And of course, I don't need to tell you where this goes. It winds up basically being that everybody else needs the intervention more than they do. <laughs> they learn to love each other again, and everybody else's lives just get just completely ripped to shreds as a result. Um, really, really well intentioned. Probably a little overwritten and over directed, but I, I have a soft spot for it because the cast is so, so good, and I like love all these Jason actors. Clea Duvall is really good. Melanie Linsky is terrific. Uh, Natasha Leone is as good as I've seen her in years. Jason Ritter is really, really good. And uh, and uh, Alia Shaukat, who, you know, shows up in all these interesting films, yeah. is kind of a quirky girl. She's the odd one out. She's the girl who isn't really a friend here. She's just a girlfriend that's tagged along with this yeah, one Observing guy. all the insanity. And she's a little bit of a free spirit, right? She doesn't really wear a <laughs> bra and she'll talk about anything. And, you know, it's, so there's always that person, the outsider who's like the audience's eyes into this. Like, you people are messed up. But uh, so, for all the cliches and whatnot, I, I give it some kudos, and I think Cleo Duvall should make more movies. That's the bottom line. I yeah, yeah like th- write- I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, uh, big a fan. For sure.
1: Uh, coming Through the Ride uh, it's this movie uh, about a boy who has an obsession. It's set in like 1969. It's about a boy who has an obsession with Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. He decides to, to leave school and go on a sort of Holden Caulfield esque. A trek to, uh, to find uh, J.D. Salinger, yeah. uh, uh, and, and you know what's interesting. I think I think we lost J.D. Salinger not too long ago. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, I think he passed away. Um, what's interesting about this film is, of course, uh, in the in the film he finds J.D. Salinger, and and you know nobody ever really actually did. You know J.D. really uh, he never did stop being a recluse. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know in the film they would like to examine that. I mean, yeah, Look, I suppose uh, if you have a particular sort of obsession with that book, Catcher in the Rye, and with uh, Salinger and all of that, this might be an interesting uh, little movie for you. I, I'm a big fan of that book, but I, I don't think I was ever quite as obsessed with it as lots of young people became when they first read Catcher in the Rye. You know, good yeah. book. Is, it, it's what I felt, but whatever. Yeah. Uh,
0: so Kicks is, uh, is, a, is a decent little film that really didn't get a lot of traction. You should check it out. Uh, Kicks is uh, on Blu-ray now with uh, Ultraviolet on it as well. Mahershala Ali, who is the man Mahershala, of the moment, yeah, we were talking yeah. about him. Moonlight, and Moonlight, uh, who is also in uh, Hidden Figures, mm-hmm. does very well in there, and he's also the bad guy for the first half of Luke Cage. If you haven't watched that on Netflix, yeah, uh, he is in everything now and deserves to be and plays that range just beautifully. You know what? He's one. He, uh, what I love about this year for him is that he has played lovable guys and hateful guys and kind of hateful lovable and lovably hateful guys you have, you're ambivalent about. Mm. He's played the whole range. So he's not, he's not going to get into that place like so many actors do where y- you have to fight for a few years to prove that you can be either the villain or the good guy to get out of it. It's like everyone knows his range now. Yeah. So right he's out of the box. Right out of the box. He can do anything that he wants. And that's pretty great. So he is in this as well. He is not the star, of course, but he's, he's in it as well and he's really good. Uh, this is a story about a, about a 15-year-old kid uh looking for shoes like as a status symbol, and what and what happens what, in the pursuit of those shoes and yeah, the acquisition air jordans and, and 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 it was and we, it was an interesting little movie it is an interesting little movie because the shoes are a metaphor yeah. you know, and the the search for the shoes makes it kind of this really interesting like urban fairy tale allegory yeah. I, I think it's a i think it's a really interesting little movie
1: it gets a little dark it's a little brutal, but to be honest with you, I prefer this to the one that was the, that everybody was talking about a year a year or so ago. Uh, that was set. That was set here in L.A.
0: Oh, I know which one you mean. The, 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 that's escaping me right the now. Steve, was Steven, That one Stephen Daldry directed. Uh,
1: the same. The same guy who directed the Wood.
0: Yes. 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 Uh, set, yeah.
1: and, but this one was a little bit better to me.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, directed by Justin Tipping, and uh, it's a good movie. It's uh, it's worth checking out. It's uh, it kind of fell off everyone's radar just a tiny bit, but it re- it is really really worth checking out. Kicks, they aren't just shoes on Blu-ray with ultraviolet. Uh, greater, uh,
1: which is a true story about one of those sort of it's one of those sports stories, one of those mm-hmm. sort of like invincible that Mark Wahlberg did a couple of years ago. This one's about uh, a guy who always wanted to play on the uh, Arkansas Razorback football team and, yeah. and walked on and uh, and made the team. Good uh, and, uh, and, and contributes to the whole thing and makes, you know, so, you know, sports movie, David Hunt directed it. It's a pretty good movie. Bonus features, deleted scenes, uh, and a, a writer director commentary. You know, um, uh, this movie actually has quite a lot of production value for a fairly small film. Uh, and, you know, because, you know, uh, yeah. big sports movies require a certain amount of production value. He gets there with this. This is better than you might think.
0: From the world of low-budget attempts at making uh, uh, kind of films that are even creepier, more horrific than Saw, comes a thing called Blood Shock. This is from Unearthed Films. Uh, The subtitle of this, or the uh, the overtitle here, is American Guinea Pig. Yeah. Anyway, this is this. This comes with a CD and a Blu-ray and a DVD and a whole bunch of other stuff to make you feel like you're getting your money's worth out of the just despicable, horrible, disgusting torture that you see in this movie. Uh, this is basically a guy who just, just winds up in not knowing how he wound up in some horrible, horrible psychotic hospital to be used for experiments, indeed as a guinea pig, and uh, it, it just it's it's torture porn. Um, But it thinks that it's artsy torture porn. So I don't really, uh, you know, there's a ton of extras on this. None of it to really any great end. Uh, If you love this kind of film, you will go nuts for this because they really go above and beyond. But it is not my cup of tea. Mm. And then uh, the great Gilly Hopkins. This is another one of those movies that just drive me crazy. Uh, just tries to be way too cute and funny all at the time. To- at the same time, it it won the truly moving picture award from the Heartland Film Festival, and that is my first sign that I need to run for the doors. Yeah. Uh, this has everybody's just acting way too sweet and saccharine here. Uh, Kathy Bates is just being the sweet grandma, and Julia Stiles is just trying way too hard, and Octavia Spencer is just she's the. She's just being the sweet, lovable sage, the, the, the wise southern black woman. It's yeah. just, you know, it, it's uh, the, the, the female version of, the, of what Spike called the magical negro. Yeah, yeah, the magical yeah. negro.
1: Look, look the, the, those movies and like the one I'm holding here, middle school. Yeah. I, I have to assume that these movies have an, uh, have a, have an audience. Yeah, I saw a the family-oriented they audience. Do, people the, 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 that
0: don't want their buttons pushed.
1: The, and, and, live in a, and live in a certain zone, and they want yeah. the answers, and they yeah. want it to come out the way they want it to come out. This one's called Middle School. It's based on the best-selling series of books uh, written by James Patterson. <laughs> Excuse me. It's about uh, a kid who transfers to a school, and school, there are all these rules at the school, and it has mm-hmm. this principal, and you have to go by the rules, and he refuses. You, ultimately, the, the, the movie, the books, are about creativity, about yeah. encouraging creativity. Yes, Can't hate that. Nah. This movie is really irritating, though. So <laughs> it is. you know what can I say about yeah. that it's just really really irritating movie. And Sully
0: uh, that, that's our last new movie of this of this uh, stretch. Yeah, Sully boy. A um, movie
1: that we were supposed to be talking about right now too in terms of
0: the awards. I have a feeling. And 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 I know you and I probably have the same reservations about this movie. I have a feeling that this may pop back on the radar at awards time because I think there is an older contingent of the of the academy. Mm. That is still connected to Clint and all of his concerns, and Tom, and, for, that and Tom for that matter. And this will—I think this may garner enough of their support to kind of creep in there. Because we have ten nom- uh, up to ten nominees for Best Picture, I could see this being the one that just barely nudges its way in. Yeah,
1: but you're fully aware that that it's. Like not likely over La La Land, yeah, no, or even no. Moonlight for that matter. That this movie is going to La be, La Lan- to win.
0: La La Land, Moonlight, and Manchester are the three yeah. that will be contending, and I think Arrival will be sort of the um, the Gravity or the Mad Max of this year because of all the technical expertise, in it. and yeah, I think that's yeah. the one that'll creep in because it gets a lot of. But other than those four, I don't see anything really contending. Yeah, and the, at all.
1: because frankly, after, after you after you do that four, and then you, you like again, you throw in a fifth. Yeah. Uh, which might be this, Sully. Yeah. We're still talking about
0: Sully. Yeah. After that, I think we're done. Yeah, no, those are, those are the four. Really, I mean, yeah. if we're talking about anything contending for the Oscars this year, with the exception of individual achievements like, uh, you know, like Jackie mm. for best actress, and there, there are a few other things, but Screenplays I think. plays and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I think generally the, the film, the big, the big heavy hitters, you'll see the top nominees, it'll, it'll be those three. It'll be Lala, Moonlight, uh, Manchester, and Orion. Well,
1: it, Tom Hanks is, uh, I'm sure, a member of the Academy and and, 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 (laughs) he's he's an academy governor and and, and yeah and you know who he's voting for La La Land I can already tell I can already tell (laughs) I I can tell from the way he roams around town gushing over La La Land is he really he he? roams around he gushes over it all the time rightfully so fantastic movie and I'm like dude you're just giving it up everybody anyway whatever that's
0: funny but it's kind
1: of neat but you know what's smart about it? Yeah. He's letting himself off the hook. You know what
0: I, I still remember? I remember so well. And, and the thing about Sully, but just to let it go, it, is it's a perfectly fine movie about a great guy, but they, they sort of have to force the drama. You don't see the, the landing until midway through the film. It's like almost, it's yeah. about an hour into the movie before they actually show it to you. Most of this is about the investigation. Yeah where they kind of gin up this artificial drama. Did you really have to do that? Yeah. Was there another way? It's like, well, I think we all know he did. Yeah, yeah. So why are you giving me this sort of hindsight drama where there wasn't any?
1: Yeah, yeah. It
0: just, it, they're fi- they're trying to make a story where there isn't one.
1: And they tell it, and, and, and to stretch it out, they do that, you know, that Rashomon thing, yeah. where we see that event, uh, fifteen different ways from fifteen different angles, and I'm like, okay, you guys are milking this a little bit. It's a little too much.
0: All right, right so go. uh, I'm gonna hit some uh some of these. I'm gonna hit these shout titles first, and then we'll go through the uh, the Twilight Time titles that came out. We have a, a couple of batches of Twilight Time that are absolutely terrific, but uh, Shout has given us some great uh, sh- classic films. Shout is releasing a lot of really interesting stuff now from their their uh, their classics line. And we've got Dead Ringers, the David Cronenberg oh, yeah. film. Yeah. If you have this on Blu-ray on, on a DVD from Criterion, don't get rid of it. Don't get rid of your Criterion. You're going to want to double dip because the Criterion on DVD is still has amazing extras. But this has some great stuff too. Uh, this is on Blu-ray from Shout, and it's got uh, new audio commentary with uh, the author of uh, The Artist Is Monster, the cinema of David Cronenberg, William Beard. <laughs> who has wonderful, wonderful insight. And then you also have uh, Jeremy Irons doing audio commentary. So it's absolutely terrific. And then um, the uh, there's a preferred aspect ratio, uh, a 2K st- scan of this on the second disc. Now that's interesting because Cronenberg apparently prefers 166 for this film. Ah. So you get both versions on two different discs. Uh, I don't really know why he prefers 166, but, uh, you know, there it, it is. It, it, it,
1: it was released 166.
0: Was it? Yeah. See, I didn't remember
1: that. Yep. Not
0: That's that interesting. Yeah. So anyway, you get both versions here and, uh, you know, interviews with uh, Peter Suskitsky who was the uh, DP and the effects artist and uh, it, it's, all, it's, it's all very, very solid. Very good looking film. Beautiful Blu-ray. You also get Cronenberg's Rabid uh, Collector's Edition which is also loaded with extras, including an audio commentary from the same William Beard uh, and a lot of interesting archival stuff. This is a 2K scan to Blu-ray as well, and I am a lot less f- a fan of Rabid. I, I think it's a little bit overrated. I had forgotten that Ivan Reitman was a, an executive producer on this because, of course.
1: Early, yeah. that's, that's like late 70s, mid 70s,
0: Cronenberg. Uh, you know, every Canadian knew the, knew every other Canadian at that time and yeah. worked on their movies. So Ivan Reitman and Cronenberg together, well. It was like pre scanners and yeah. all that kind of stuff, yeah. And, and then Dreamscape, uh, a movie that I, I really enjoyed at the time. Joseph Rubin, talking about Hand the Rocks the Cradle earlier, mm. this was before Joseph Rubin made Hand the Rocks the Cradle. He made Dreamscape. With Dennis Quaid uh, and Kate Capshaw, Dennis Quaid disappearing into, you know, dreams, all these weird...
1: It was kind of a neat movie, I remember. It, 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 yeah. high, high concept for sure. And cutting this special effects for the day was... was was, was No trauma? CGI. No, no, practical... All
0: practical and there's, you know, the stop motion animation and some really, really interesting stuff in here. So from an effects standpoint... Uh, this was a really interesting film. Great supporting cast with you know Max Eddie Albert, Max von Sydow, Christopher Plummer, and a terrific score by Maurice Jarre, which is really really good. So one of those interesting genre movies of genre movies of the '80s. Uh, and then lastly here from Shout movie I just love. I am so happy this is out in a collector's edition from the Shout live. Select line. Oh, yeah. To live and die in L.A. Uh, one of William Friedkin's very very best films. Uh, this film, speaking again about Willem Dafoe, who this was what yeah. made him. Yeah. He is so fearsome in this. He yeah. is just terrifying. Uh, this film does two things that are absolutely amazing. I'm going to assume that everyone's seen this and that the spoiler uh, revelation that I'm about to tell, which gives you time to fast forward a few seconds, is not going to shock you. But to take the main character, mm. played by William Peterson, and yeah. kill him off. Yeah. Um, at a point where you just – it's like, you don't do that in movies. Yeah. What, are you kidding me? Yeah, you do. In this one, you do. And driving the wrong way on an L.A. freeway. <laughs> and John, Awesome. At, at the end of that
1: movie, when John Pac- Pacquiao puts on those shades, oh. and we realize that he has become mm-hmm. – you, you know, it's I mean, yeah. like, 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 oh, wow, man. So, it's, f-
0: it's, just, it's just a dark, gritty, awesome movie. This is, this is kind Cicuro, of like uh,
1: – it, I Robert, feel like uh, yeah, a lot of dude. Great I cast.
0: Feel, I kind of feel like this is where French Connection meets Miami Vice, right? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like this is where Michael Mann and Friedkin, you know, come together, and it is just a great movie. It is a really, really great movie, just beautifully done. Um, yeah, really, really terrific film. So uh, let's talk about some Twilight Time stuff. Okay, what do we got? Here? We've got, you know, Twilight Time keeps releasing a lot of great old Woody Allen movies. They keep it up. Stardust Memories. Uh, beautiful. Remember, all this stuff you can only get at twilighttimemovies.com. Uh, twilighttimemovies.com, that's where you go. Or you can also go to screenarchives.com. That's where you you buy these. You do not get them anywhere else. So that is this is exclusively from those, uh, those places. They come, all of them, with isolated scores and some other extras. But Stardust Memories, uh, Woody Allen's first really super cool, serious black-and-white movie. Makes fun of his old uh funny movies it is this is a really really cool cool woody allen film pays homage to fellini clearly a, a tip to eight and a half but it's just great it's absolutely great uh if you're collecting all those great woody allen movies on blu-ray you got to throw in stardust memories can't hurt, can't hurt yourself there uh
1: the bullet train uh which was the film that the 1994 film uh, that was i think was Speed uh was more or less based on so you yeah, know obviously right. speed is a that's bus right. and this is a train yeah. uh, but but it's the same sort of uh, theme for this movie um um uh outstanding movie uh, 1975 um you know i, I it's 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 a, it's a it's a different sort of concept than the than speed, but you have the same sort of thing. The train can't stop. It can't fall below below a certain speed or the whole damn thing is going to blow up. Uh, So it's a real nail-biting thriller. Uh, Special features include an an isolated music track uh, as well as a behind-the-scenes documentary.
0: Fantastic. Fabulous. Twilight Time. You can only get these on Twilight Time. Only at at, uh, twilighttimemovies.com or screenarchives.com. They're all absolutely terrific. And and they it's just it's all licensed stuff and they just do a great job. Uh here's here's three real interesting real quickly. Um, uh Nicholas Nickleby. Uh yeah. this is the uh, this is a, a two thousand and two production of Nicholas Nickleby, which has been done a number of times British television and elsewhere. Uh it's not particularly great. Uh it's directed by Douglas McGrath. It's a little bit not quite dark enough for me to feel like it's classic, um like it's classic Dickens, but it's, it's decent. It's not, it doesn't completely, I mean, a lot of people love, really, really love this movie. So uh, it, it's okay for me, but uh, I'm not a, you know, Douglas McGrath also made Emma with uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, so, I mean, he has a feel for that kind of uh, the, the milieu, but it, it's, it's just, it's still a little bit too sunny. Christopher Plummer is very, very good, but uh, otherwise it's, uh, it's not, not the, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Um, also has Jim Broadbent in it for people who are a fan of his The Three Worlds of Gulliver this is uh, a bit of a kind of a cult classic these days um, from 1960 uh, really just very bright uh, shiny kind of a low budget uh, special effects version of the uh, the Gulliver tale um, this is uh, it's it it kind of it's a little bit in the same vein as a lot of the fairy tale stuff that was made around that same time, like mm-hmm. Tom Thumb, and there's a, there's a sort of a, a a whole subgenre of these live action things, and they mm-hmm. all seem to star people who are migrating from musicals. Um, in any case, this one is uh, it's kind of right in the middle there. The real reason to see this is because it has great special effects by Ray Harryhausen. Uh, it's all for the Harryhausen special effects the uh, the actual story itself and the execution isn't, isn't anything really to scream about uh, but a great transfer Twilight Time did a fantastic job Harryhausen looks really good in it uh, and then here's a film I'm very mixed on uh, I'll let you know that it's there uh, an aging Humphrey Bogart and the Barefoot Contessa yeah. uh, I really really despise this film I think it is just a monstrous bore however I am alone in that it's written and directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz who of course is legendary and uh ava gardner is you know the 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 icon that just sort of uh, is right there and she's this this goddess of this movie and i just think the whole thing is a great big melodramatic pile of goop i really don't like it at all but again (laughs) i'm alone in that it is it has an audio commentary with uh, a couple of uh, film historians and stills and a trailer. So if you, if you like the, the big, goopy old melodramas and Humphrey Bogart looking way too old for his age because he smoked too many cigarettes, go ahead and knock yourselves out.
1: I've got a couple over here that we'll go through, including Gregory Peck's uh, 1956 Moby Dick. John Huston. So Houston. good. Uh, so good. Which, in which I think, isn't it scripted Orson,
0: by Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. I yeah. think
1: Orson Welles gives that big speech. Yeah. The Reverend speech. He does. There. He yeah. gets Houston to do that. Uh, great story about that. I think he had to get direct to do it. So um, uh, Richard Basehart, of course, also in the film. This is a. Uh, this is this. We're still doing the uh, Twilight Time series. Yes. Here. Yes. This is all still uh, Twilight Time. Series. And the uh, special features include an isolated score, audio commentary with film historians, uh, with a couple of film historians. Uh, and uh, a a beached whale, recreating the unique color of Moby Dick, which was a particular thing about this particular movie. So we have that. Uh, Boston Strangler, the 1968 film,
0: which is not bad actually, which is not bad at all. Tony Curtis yeah. actually
1: quite good in this movie. Uh, Richard Fleischer film, of course. Um, uh, you know, about about the Boston Strangler series. Yeah. Uh, actually quite it's interesting. Pretty accurate, stuff. too, if uh, I remember. Uh, this, was, this was when realism started to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, in, in films like this. Late you know, 60s, early 70s. This, and uh, Cold Blood, the Truman Capote sure. adaptation. This is when that started to come. In back. the Heat of the Night. It's kind in the Heat of the heat a of a lot of Night was, lot was lot one of, of those yeah. two. Lots of special features here, including another isolated music track. I love that about these Twilight Times, by the way. Audio commentary with a couple of film historians again. Uh, and a uh, 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 freakin' uh, on Richard Fleischer, a commentary from William Freakin on Richard Fleischer for the thing. So interesting stuff from Twilight Time. Uh, let me get to... Oh, Moscow and the Hudson. Oh, I love Moscow and the Hudson. You know, uh, this is the movie that actually... Robin Williams,
0: obviously. and yeah. uh, uh, Was it Yakov Smirnov? Yakov Smirnov, yeah. Uh, early Yakov Actually, Smirnof. a whole bunch of guys who had all defected at the time because the Soviet Union still was a thing. The so Soviet, defection yeah, yeah. in the movie, you know, he defects, and then there are all these Russian actors who had actually defected.
1: It really sort of an interesting thematic. Paul Mazursky film, yeah. of course. Right. Uh, at the time, and Robin Williams really good in the movies, it, A really sort of uh, poignant movie. Yeah, w- w- you know, I saw it the other day. I was watching television, whatever, watching the movie. that yeah. saxophone uh, music and all that stuff. And in any case, isolated score again. Audio commentary with our same film historians, and the commentary track with the
0: great Paul Mazzuca. And and uh, you know, the, the, uh, Bill Nunn has a has a great part in that film oh, too. Oh yes, I if you remember, about Bill that. Nunn is the guy who worked at the department store when when he comes up and he says, "I want to defect." And Bill Nunn says, you can't do that in here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hysterical. So good. Late Bill Nunn, who just passed away last year. So good. Um, uh, Interesting little uh, kind of quasi-noir here from 1968. Pretty Poison. This was a directing debut for Noel Black, uh, who didn't have much of a career thereafter, really. But it's an interesting little noir with uh, Tuesday Weld as the femme fatale who uh, tries to get... uh, Tony Perkins to be part of her nasty little murder scam. Uh, it's uh, it's got good mood. It's got a a good kind of uh, kind of neo noir feel to it, and uh, it it dates really quite well. I have to be honest. So um, yeah, we're talking about that realism period again, late sixties. Great isolated score here by uh, Johnny Mandel. You know, we, we yeah, talk about yeah, Johnny Mandel. Great Mandel. music from the yeah, era. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I want
1: to live. Uh, 1958. Um, uh, Susan Hayward. Of course, in a Robert Wise film, early Robert Wise film, more mm-hmm. or less, this is not long after the Earth Stood Still. In the couple yeah. of was about a woman, and it, this is an itchy, itchy story for 1958. If you think about it, yeah. kind of a woman, kind of a you know, you, what, what we might call an easy woman, a free spirit, sure. uh, living her life, gets involved with a couple of guys. They kill somebody. Uh, uh, they decide to rat her out even though she was not involved with it and it's about her going to prison and facing the death penalty. That's really pretty – and it kind of kind of gave a little boost to Susan Hayward's career there uh, at the back end because she wasn't playing particularly um, beautiful in this thing. Again, uh, a lovely isolated uh, score uh, and audio commentary. Uh,
0: and then we have Gran Bolito, which is a just weird kind of uh... – Giallo's exploitation film fusion uh, from Italy to America. Uh, Italian director. And uh, basically all you need to know is that Shelley Winters is in her, her exploitation mode here. Now, there's a period there where Shelley Winters, after her prime, in the yeah. b- around about the from the late 60s to the late 70s, where all she does is play Crazy mothers, crazy grandmothers, crazy sorority moms, yeah. crazy like witch coven yeah. moms. She's just she's just whacked out, and she's just you know flaunting her her craziness, and uh, she's doing a Nick Cage basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When at she, that particular, she time, was the yeah. Nick Cage of her era, and uh, and, then, and this is one of those. Uh, all takes place in this really creepy old Italian apartment building from the 1930s, and uh, Max von Cito even shows up in this again. I, I like it because Rita Tushingham is in it. Uh but really it's a it's just it's it's uh 60s and 70s era kitsch and uh it has an interesting audio commentary with some film historians and that's about it. I I think the uh only if you like G- it, and it really is still a giallo film. It's an American exploitation film but it's a giallo film. It's pretty pretty nasty at a certain point. I think if you uh if you like giallo and if you like those kinds of uh kinds of sort of, you know, horror films, then it it, it gets into a really weird, creepy area. I won't tell you anything else about it. And The Keys of the Kingdom uh, is a pretty terrific film. Uh, I would really, really highly recommend this. One of Gregory Peck's very, very best performances. Very, very timely. This is all about a Scottish missionary uh, in China. And and it's beautifully, beautifully uh, uh, directed by John Stahl from a script by Joseph L. Mankiewicz and Nunnally Johnson, who are both amazing screenwriters. Mankiewicz was the godfather of the whole project. He kind of shepherded it as a producer. And a lot of that is explained and discussed on the uh, on the audio commentary. It gets into the very, very interesting backstory of this. Um, but it, is, uh, the, it, it has a certain pearlescent buck quality to it. The Westerner yeah. sort of trying to acclimate to world events transpiring in an Asian nation. Uh, it is not condescending. It is not cloying. There is no sort of white savior aspect to this, as, as many people have become annoyed in, in recent years. Um, it is a really interesting character study. Gregory Peck is really at the peak of his abilities. And young, young,
1: a, young, very young Roddy McDowell.
0: Yeah, young Roddy McDowell. Vincent Price is in this too. It's a, it's a terrific cast. So it is really, really worth checking out. And that is The Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, we will wrap up with a couple of docs then. We're going to move you know, on to a few a, Yeah, a few let's just hit a couple up. of docs, and then we'll wrap the show up.
1: Uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, 50 years with Peter, Paul, and Mary, speaks for itself. Uh, beautiful footage here, a lot of black and white footage, including uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary singing at the, uh, the March on Washington. Yeah. Uh, which is just extra, sort of extraordinary in and of itself. Um, uh, beautifully recorded, uh, it, both the music uh, and the, the visuals there. Uh, Roseanne for president, which is um, really has uh, very little to do with with, with any, anything to do with the president we, election of, of, of no, recent. We,
0: we forget that she actually did run for president. Yeah, she actually yeah.
1: ran for president. This, but this a lot of interesting comedians here. This is mostly really about a sort of back door look at Roseanne's life. You have Michael Moore and Rosie O'Donnell and Sandra Bernhard and the Smothers Brothers and, um, uh, and and many people who have followed have, have been with her over the cross across the arc of her career. Um, uh, some extra scenes and featurettes and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, Black in America since uh, MLK and Still I Rise, uh, an interesting PBS documentary hosted mm-hmm. by Dr. Lewis. On Blu-ray. Gates on Blu-ray uh, with Jesse Jackson Jr. Uh, as a guest, uh, uh, among other people. This is interesting, just in the
0: context of today's... Anything, anything that Gates discussion. does. Yeah, Gates yeah. is like the. He's just he's he's the professor, right? He just takes yeah. he walks you through this stuff in such an amazingly. It's like a story, you know. He guides you so beautifully. It's a PBS documentary, so quite good. On on Blu-ray, nothing particularly uh, interesting in terms of additional information. And then we have three World War II anniversary docs. Uh, 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor from the History Channel. Uh, this is a uh, two-disc documentary, basically, that just revisits that in its entirety and all of its just horrible, horrible details. Uh, difficult to watch, still, but very, very good. Uh, then we also have... Um, Pearl Harbor 75th Anniversary Commemorative Documentary Series from Mill Creek, which is, it takes a somewhat different uh, pr- attack on it. it uh, this is longer; it's more, uh, but it's basically uh, a collection of eight separate documentaries, each of them having a different angle on it. Uh, so it's it's not. The, it's not as contend, uh, condensed as the History Channel thing. Probably less uh, emotionally uh, devastating to watch. But both of them very, very good. And then uh, this is not an, a, a, uh, a doc, but it's interesting to throw it in. It's a miniseries on, called Hiroshima, the complete miniseries event, as long as we are on the, uh, the subject of the war in the Pacific. Uh, this is also out from Mill Creek. And uh, I I've only have only a vague recollection of when this actually came out, but it is really, really very, very good. And incredibly accurate as it gets into all of the political machinations that led up to the uh, dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. Mm. Very, very, very good. Uh, three hours long, but worth every single second of it. Hiroshima, the complete miniseries of events. Mm, man. Uh, Marilyn, M-
1: Marilyn Monroe de- Declassified. Marilyn Monroe Declassified. The interesting thing about this documentary, about Marilyn Monroe, who of course died in 1962, mm-hmm. left us in 1962, at the age of 36, is that it, it includes... Uh, formerly highly classified FBI files, wow! FBI in- information that have yet to be heard or seen or 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 de- disclosed anyplace. So that's what's interesting here. Marilyn Monroe declassified uh, on Blu-ray from Film Rise, uh, and and content building Star Trek. Uh, oh this my is this gosh. this is fun because this is what these people are doing in this film. This is what they're following. <laughs> this in- is really actually movie. really fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, fifty fifty plus years since Star Trek, all yeah. kinds of props from that original series, right? Yeah. These people roam around looking for and finding mm-hmm. the original props, everything from phasers and... and, and, and
0: spaceships. And spaceships,
1: and the models. Uh, communicators. The, communi- you name mm. it. They, they 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 look for it. They are very good at it. Mm-hmm. They are able to discern whether something is a fake or not. I mean, you could go on the Antiques Roadshow yeah. uh, with the kind of information that these people have. So it's very interesting stuff, uh, particularly if you happen to be... Is it, is it Trekkie? Is that the right word? That's, That's the, the, the right word,
0: word. yes. So yeah. Yeah. I said, not Trekker. Not Trekker. And then uh, last two here, uh, a couple of great ones from First One Features. Uh, True New York is five different short docs about New York City. Wonderful stuff. It, really, really great. Uh, there's, it's not sort of glorifying New York City. This is all about the people of New York. This is New York through the people. It's really interesting. Uh, you've got Sea Rock, uh, about the about a guy about cliff jumping in the bronx taxi garage which is self explanatory one track mind uh, a sun sacrifice and uh, black cherokee about a roadside performer, which is just so so amazing. Uh, you know this guy, this artist, this street artist from Harlem. Uh, such an amazing doc. There's, it's about two uh, two hours and ten some minutes. It is wonderful. All five of these are terrific. And then, uh, lastly, when two worlds collide, which mm. is uh, all about this battle that is going on over the uh, use of the rainforest. And um, it, is, it, it effectively is about whether or not you, the, the, uh, the rainforest will become the source of, of industrial progress, of mining and natural gas and so forth, or whether or not it will be preserved as a natural wonder for the indigenous people. And uh, this is a fascinating film. And it pulls you every which way emotionally, and uh, it leaves you really asking more questions than than giving you any more answers. One of the
1: things that, that film talks about is sort of Western notion of of, of saving the rainforest, which you know yeah. is, is this thing that we talk about, yep. uh, and how important that is for these indigenous peoples. While at the same time, um, because they are, we don't want them to exploit the natural riches of the rain, rainforest. They aren't able to. Do what we did over the course of the last Correct. 200 years, uh, which is give their people,
0: you know, an economy and housing and, and it, some level of economic as prosperity as we exploited uh, a good a good a good bit of our and, resources because they want to move into the developed world. They yeah. want to have iPhones. They want to have you know, yeah. uh, home stereos and Blu-ray players. And they want to. It listen. means
1: cutting down a chunk of rainforest. Uh, yeah. Then you know, I want and you know, it's, it's a little because from the west, you know, yeah. we look down there. We no, oh, no, you don't want to do that. Well, you know what? I need
0: shoes. Yeah. It's a really interesting dilemma. All right, that's it. We are done this week. Good. And uh, Happy New Year once again. And uh, we will be back next week while Mark is romancing in Paris. Yes, yes, hopefully. Until, hopefully. hopefully, yes. <laughs> Until then, see you next week. Bye-bye.